we are on a bit of a, a theme uh, at the moment in our, in our Bible study and just what the Lord's been bringing uh, over a few weeks. And I want to continue with that um, and, and, uh, and, and get through to the end of that series. But one thing I want to s- sort of say today is, is the Lord really wants to set f- people free. God really wants his people walking in a level of liberty that some haven't known before. And, uh, and, you know, you need to get ready to receive. So I, I, I believe that our hearts are prepared. So we're just focusing on spiritual warfare uh, as we continue in this series, and battle prayer particularly. But uh, spiritual warfare is all about being prayerful. Remember that. Spiritual warfare is all about being uh, a people of prayer, not a people that are prayerless. We have to be a people that are prayerful, being those connected hearts. Hearts that connect to the Father quite readily and quite easily. And, uh, and, and seeing as the Father sees. You know, uh, going after the truth that sets us free and others free as well. You know, once we start walking in the freedom that God has for us, the idea of it is to get it out on others. To get it out uh, where others are getting set free. It happened to me. I, my, my testimony is... Uh, uh, a young gentleman that I used to go and see every so often. I went to see him one day and he'd been set free. He'd been set free. And I said, well, what are you doing? He says, oh, I'm going to church now. And I said, you're going to church? I couldn't believe that he was going to church. But the thing is, he'd been set free from his heroin addiction. <laughs> and he wanted more. He wanted more of that. And, uh, and of course, the person that shared with him was another person who'd been set free from their heroin addiction. And that's what got his attention, you see. And, uh, and God was in the business of, and still is in the business of setting people free from their addictions and, and, uh, and their, their, their bondages. And how many of you know, some people need to get set free of things that beyond uh, alcohol and drugs. Some people have got bondages on their life that God wants to set them free from. And it's only as we draw near and get closer to him that he can do it. So we've been about that. And uh, as I say, getting the truth so that we're set free, so that we can then walk in this process of setting others free is, is what, uh, uh, what I would call the activity, the activity of mature sons and daughters. When we realise it's not just about us, it's about others as well. And uh, as we start to run with that. The truth has the ability to bring us to our senses. And we're going to see that today uh, in this message. It has the ability to set us free from the snares of the enemy. You know, the devil. We looked at this verse last week, and I'm just going to bring it up again. Um, from uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 24. It says, And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all. Able to teach patient verse 25 in humility correcting those who are in opposition if god perhaps will grant them repentance that's in other words a willingness to change their mind that they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil having been taken captive by him to do his will wow you know, this is what the servant of the Lord, this is what those mature sons and daughters should be going after. This is the Apostle Paul talking to his spiritual son, someone he'd brought up in the things of God, Timothy. 
and he's sharing these truths to them. You know, truth is a key weapon uh, in the battle against the works of darkness. And we've just seen that in that one passage. And we've been given the truth as a weapon that we get a hold of and we start to understand and walk with and run with. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, the Bible says, but they're all mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. 2 Timothy chapter 10 and verse 4 says that. You can read it for yourself. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. In other words, they're not physical, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. We, you won't pull down strongholds down in your own life or in the lives of other people if you're a carnal Christian. You're not going to be able to do it. You haven't got that capacity. But if you remember, we looked at Simon, uh, the sorcerer over in Acts chapter 8, who found out that he couldn't get what God was giving by being carnal. He found that out for himself. He couldn't manipulate his way into the gifts of God. And he found out in no uncertain terms that he couldn't buy it, couldn't stump up for it. He certainly couldn't buy it. And Peter called him to repentance. Peter's got that right heart as a servant of the Lord. And uh, he calls uh, Simon to repentance. And that repentance was called for after he'd become a Christian. That just lets us know that Christians can have strongholds. That they've just allowed to stay there and be there and be in their lives and, and kind of walk around it and get around it and still do Christian-like things, but still have a stronghold, a snare of the enemy working in their life. That's important to note because pulling down strongholds is a need within the church just as much as it is outside the church. And we saw them, how Peter operated in the gifts of, of the Spirit. He had a word for Simon. You know, we saw how, how uh, you know, he revealed that stronghold that he had, that he'd allowed to be built into his life. And, and of course, what we saw was that it had its foundation in bitterness. Bitterness comes from loss. Understand that. Bitterness comes from loss. Whatever kind of loss it is, it's loss. And it breeds unforgiveness. That's where you'll find it operating and functioning. And you know, the truth is, it's a slippery slope for a Christian to stay there. It's like a slippery slope. You can't get anywhere. You can't go up, can't go. It's just, you know, it's a lot of activity but getting nowhere. You just can't stay there as a Christian in with a root of bitterness and, and uh, of course, unforgiveness and just note this the Christian life and growth toward maturity is always on the basis of 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1 some of you might want to note this down there's a revelation from the Lord for you today because 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1 talks about pursuing love and desiring spiritual gifts that's where the Christian maturity growth is is you, you you're walking in love you're always walking in forgiveness but you're always also desiring spiritual gifts in other words for the Lord to to flow to you and through you to minister to others to help others up to get others free as you've found freedom in Christ you know how many of you know that when Jesus said the thief comes to rob kill and destroy that Jesus was actually teaching on spiritual warfare you know that's what uh, we see there in John 10.10. 10. Look what it says. It says, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. Look what Jesus said he'd come for though. I've come that they may have life and they have it, may have it more abundantly. John 10.10. 10. You know, the Greek word translated life in this verse is the word zoe. And what it means is the God kind of life, eternal life. You know, it's that God quality of life, you know. 
I, I know a pastor uh, up there in um, Kananara, and whenever he's talking to me about someone he knows and or whatever, he says, oh, he's a good guy. He's a God guy, you know. He describes him as a God guy. And I go, yeah, I understand what you're saying. You know, he's someone that's walking in the Zoe type of life. He's a God guy. And, you know, the truth to take away here is, is that the devil and his team, his fallen angels, okay, don't want to see God's people being blessed and living the God kind of life. That's, that's the equation that we're walking. The spiritual warfare is around that. Such essential information because the church needs to know how to arm up. How to use those mighty weapons that we've been given. And uh, so we can fight that good fight of fight, good fight of faith. And the battle rages uh, and the Lord's call to the church is to pick up our weapons and fight. That's a daily thing, you know, fighting. Just speaking the word out over your day. Speaking the word out over your life. You know, and I said to that group of students... Uh, that had gathered on that celebration day down there on, at, uh, at Victory for the 25th celebration. and We had a dinner together and had a few speeches and I got an opportunity to get up and say a few words and I said, the thing you ought to be grateful about at Victory Life International Bible Training Centre was not that just a whole bunch of lecturers got you into classrooms for a couple of years and just spoke the word to you, but they continue to speak the word out over your lives. They continue to, uh, to say what God says about you, trained, equipped and going out and continue to pray for you as you go out. And, uh, you know, speaking the word, you know, uh, out is just as important as being a word keeper. I said, the, you know, the Lord, uh, the Lord that says that, he, that um, he's looking for, um, what's that, what's that, how's, that, how's that song go? Um, Waymaker. The Waymaker is looking for a word keeper. But I tell you, he's also looking for people that will be word speakers. You know, that'll just say it and pray it and keep on saying it and praying it and not give up. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13 says, He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. And, you know, James echoes this truth when he said in James chapter 4 and verse 7, uh, he says, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Submit to God, submitting to God. How do I submit to God? Well, first of all, you need to submit to His word. You know, lose some of the ideas that we get and actually start submitting to his word. The, you know, the Bible says in, in 1 Peter chapter 2, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that what? We may grow thereby. There's a growth that comes from just coming under the, you know, uh, submission to the word of God. I'm not talking about being submitted to someone up the front that preaches on Sunday. We're not talking about that kind of submission or we're talking about being a people that just open your Bible through the week and say, I just really want to desire the sincere milk of the word. I want it to just, again, bring that growth in my life, spiritual growth, the spiritual growth that we're all called to. And, um, you know, the way we su submit to God is through his word. And his word becomes a defense and also an offensive weapon, a defensive weapon and also an offensive weapon against the enemy. And as we do, the Bible says that the devil must flee. He's got to back off. And Jesus modeled, modeled that for us. And we've seen this previously. But Jesus modeled that for us in the temptation of the wilderness. What did Jesus do? Don't you know who I am? You know, when the devil tried to tempt him in the wilderness? Don't you know who I am? How dare you? Get out of here. He didn't do any of that. He spoke the word back to the devil. The devil came trying to deceive, trying to lie, trying to say things that would twist the word of God. And Jesus just spoke the word back. And we need to be the same, a people that not only keep the word, 
but speak the word. Amen? Amen. You know, there is so much deception out in the world right now. Down in Perth this week, I had occasion to share the gospel with a taxi driver. And this is just on Tuesday uh, this last week. And uh, I tell you, uh, I got in the car, had, because I was using a rideshare app, I already knew her name. So, you know, I opened the door and said, hello, Tawny. You know, started, <laughs> started talking to her like I knew her. I was a bit surprised actually to have a lady driver, but it was daytime. So, uh, but anyway, she, I put my bag in there and said, hi, Tawny, how are you? And she goes, oh, good, how are you? And I tell you, we only drove about probably 20 metres. And she said, what do you do? <laughs> and I thought, I've got a long drive to the airport. Mm. How shall I approach this? And I said, uh, well, actually, I'm a minister of the gospel. And she said, hmm? I said, yeah, I'm a, I'm a uh, minister, you know, like a minister of religion. You might understand that. And she goes, oh, yeah. And the atmosphere in the taxi changed, you know. And I thought, that's okay. It's still retrievable, you know. <laughs> We've got 40 minutes until we get to the airport, you know. So, um, but I had occasion to share the gospel uh, with that taxi driver. And uh, it was great to do that. And um, she wanted to give me her take on things. She had a, her own take on things. She had a worldview perspective. And, uh, you know, she had some thoughts there about, you know, the world that we live in and the governments that are trying to control our life and all kinds of things. But... This was somehow enlightening to her, but it hadn't set her free. And that's the whole point. It hadn't set her free, some of those thoughts. It was just another worldview. And I was able to share with her about not a truth, but the truth. I talked about the truth, the truth of Jesus Christ and, uh, and how he loved us so much that he died upon the cross. And Jesus sent him for that very purpose. You know, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him should not perish but had everlasting life. You know, it's those truths, you know, uh, truth that when you hear it, and I said to her, one of my last things I said to her, so you always know the truth because it'll ring true in your heart. You always know the truth when you hear it because it rings true in your heart. In other words, it hits your spirit. And of course... Um, that made her think, and she said, thank you very much. You know, at the end, it was, it was a better ending than a beginning, you know. <laughs> Church, uh, just say this. We need to stick to a biblical worldview. When Jesus met the woman at the well in Samaria, she wanted to discuss worldviews. She wanted to discuss religion. But Jesus pressed right into that truth. You can read for yourself in John chapter 4. I believe it is John chapter 4. He pressed into the truth. He wanted her to be set free. He wasn't there to upgrade her worldview. He was there to upgrade her spirit. You know, and we need to be about the business of upgrading people's spirits. We need to be a bit in the business of preaching the truth of the gospel because it's the only thing that will do it, is the truth of the gospel. You're never going to uh, upgrade someone's spirit with a worldview. Uh, that's not biblical. Jesus chapter in, in, in chapter, um, uh, Luke chapter 11, she said, make sure the light that you think you have is not actually darkness. Wow. Make sure the light that you, that, that you think you have is not actually darkness. That's something to think about, isn't it? John chapter 
8 and verse 31. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth. And what will the truth do? Set you free. Make you free. The truth will make you free. The truth has the capacity to set us free from the devil and his deceptions. It will set us free from bondage and captivity, addictions. The truth will do that. It will set us free from the snares and strongholds of the enemy. And we have to just make sure that our hearts are full of it. You know, that that's what stirs in our heart. Jesus goes on to speak to the religious people of his day. They were marked the same way then as it is today. They had no power to set people free. Just a nice thought, a nice, a nice theory. And Jesus takes them on. And I like it. And let's pick it up. In John chapter 8, verse 37. Says, I know that you are Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me. This is Jesus talking to the religious people of his day. But you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have seen with your father. Oh, wow. He's right, you know, really taking it to them. And they answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Just wanted to get that really straight. And Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, which you heard from God, which, which I heard from God. And Abraham did not do this. You do the deeds of your father. Then they said to him, we were not born of fornication. We have one father, God. And Jesus, making it clear, <laughs> making it clear here that they are of the devil, their father, because the word of God has no place in them. We've got to see that. John chapter 8 and verse 42, it says, And Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God, nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. You are of your father, the devil. And the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources for he is a liar and the father of it. Very strong words there from Jesus against the religious people of the day who had another thinking, another doctrine. And of course, um, that is basically Jesus was calling it out as a lie of the devil. The devil is identified as a lie and his key weapon is deception. And being armed with the truth, of course, is our best weapon against him and his allies. And I like, and I'm going to finish today with this, this, this part here. I feel the Lord wants to minister to some people today and, uh, and touch hearts and lives and set people free. But I just want you to see what it says here in John chapter 18 and verse 36 to 37. And Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. This is Jesus talking to Pilate. And Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? And Jesus said, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth, and everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Everyone is of the truth 
hears my voice. His truth, it'll ring true in your heart, you know. And we need to be a people that are not caught up on other things, on other perspectives, on other views that take us away from the main business, the biblical view that we should have, and the truth that has a sound to it that people can hear in their hearts. A sound to it. You know, when you speak the truth, it has a, a sound and a feeling that it goes past the, the mental thoughts and the, you know, the, the, you know, the, the cranium, you know, and the, the mental process, the cognitive process, and hits you in the heart and makes you realize it's true and it's real. We must never become insensitive to that sound and be always out looking for it. You know, when we do, you watch what the Holy Spirit does. He starts speaking more. He starts speaking in your life more. Starts leading and guiding, just like Jesus promised the Holy Spirit would. When we start giving our hearts over to the truth, you'll hear his voice a lot more and feel him leading you more and more. Why? Because you're given to the truth. And that's the lifestyle that we're called to. I think every now and then I talk about the church that uh, I was in and... Um, when I first got saved. And in that church, they, they were Pentecostal. And I have to say, they, God moved in that church. And, and that's just, uh, I guess, more than anything, a, a recognition of how good God was <laughs> that he moved in that church. Because they had some funny ways, you know. You can, couldn't go on holidays unless you asked a pastor. Imagine that. Imagine having a queue on Sunday. Look, we're going on holidays. Is that all right, pastor? You know, imagine that. And, um, you know, there were some things that they had going on there which were pretty good at keeping people in the place, but not really good at setting people free. You know, not really good, not really aimed. And God did do some setting free in that place. But um, it was the Holy Spirit that began to move in my life and started to speak to me that I started to realize that actually he wanted me in another place. He wanted me in another church. And I... And on that one Sunday, I heard the Lord speak to me, move, 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 oh, move with God. It was actually a song, a chorus, I think an old Elam chorus. And every time we sung the chorus, I feel like getting up and running. <laughs> I feel like getting up and running every time I heard the chorus, move, 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 oh, move with God, you know. And it was really hitting me, hitting, it was the sound of truth hitting my heart, you know. And I couldn't understand it in my head, so I was in turmoil and I was confused and didn't know what to do. But I tell you what, as soon as the, the, the service dismissed, I ran ahead to get ahead of the queue of all the people wanting to ask permission to go on holidays. And I asked permission if I could go home. And told a little fib. I said, I'm not feeling very well. I need to go home. And he says, yeah, off you go then. You know, the funny thing was, is that that night was the biggest, probably the biggest combined church service of all uh, uh, churches in Western Australia in that time. It was 1985, December 1985. And it was the visit of Reinhard Bonnke at the Perth Entertainment Centre. And there I'd been in this little Pentecostal church that had all their funny little ways of you know, I guess, sort of types of control and things going on. But I'd been wonderfully saved, you know, and, and, and as I say, that was an expression of God's goodness that I'd found that God was so, so real there. 
But, you know, I went into that uh, meeting that same day, the same night, and I saw just, I don't know, there must have been thousands of Christians all in freedom, you know, lifting their hands to God, you know, connecting with God's heart, worshipping him, you know, and, and uh, of course, a message from Reinhard Bonnke. And, and, uh, and, and that week they had a soul winners convention at another church, and I went to that church. And uh, what, a, what a, uh, a blessing that was that same week. So I was in church all week long that week, just hearing truth that touched my heart, you know, and connected with my heart and it was uh, alive and, um, and strong and powerful. And, and, you know, what was really precious on last Friday, Friday a week ago, was when we were down there at the, uh, uh, the 25th celebration of the Bible College. I could see the fruit, you know, of, of uh, some of that, you know, some of those shifts and changes in my life and, you know, being led by the Spirit of God. And what was really precious to me, that same church had a Bible college. So, you know, in 85 I went there, met Rosemary in 86, married in 87. Rosemary shoots off to Bible college in uh, 88. I went to Bible college in 89, finished in 1991 and then went off planting churches in country Queensland. You know the story, I've shared it a few times. But, you know, what was really precious to me, and I got up to speak to the Victory Life, who had been there for 25 years, the Victory Life International Bible Training Centre students, I looked over and there was one of, my, one of my lecturers from the Bible College that I went to, sitting there. And it was like going back 30 years, you know, 35 years. There she was sitting there with a lovely daughter. And, and then I looked behind her and there was another one sitting right behind her, a, a, a gentleman we used to call Reverend Cyril. And uh, he was one of my lecturers in, in, in the third year of studies that I did there. And it was so precious to see this, this you know, uh, ongoing generation of people that have been taught the Word of God and people that have been teaching the Word of God. And it was it's so precious to my heart to see them. And I, I just acknowledged them and thanked them for, for putting into my heart. And the scripture that I used was out of 2 Timothy 2, where it says, you know, the things that you've learned and heard you know, impart to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And the whole idea of sitting around the preaching of the word is so that we can get that truth into our hearts and go out and teach others also, you know, all of us, you know, not just those that are called the fivefold ministry, but every single one of us are called to go out and share the truth, change people's lives and hearts. You know, let's be about that business. Let's be about that job, you know, because when Jesus comes, we want to at least look busy. Amen. When Jesus comes back, we want to at least be busy about the work of the kingdom, amen? And, uh, and not just about our own things and what we like and what the things that we want to do. We want to be about the Father's will. And uh, the Father's will is always about souls, about people hearing the truth and having their lives changed, amen? You're with me on that, amen? God bless you. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. We're not going to dismiss right now. We're just going to give a bit of a room here just as we sing this last song. And while you're still sitting there and still attentive, I'm just going to ask that if you are here this morning and, and maybe some things that you've heard today have challenged you, you know, maybe that's a reason to come down and get prayer, to get hands laid on you and uh, for the Lord to maybe impart something fresh and new in your life. Um, if you're here this morning and you've heard some things about having a relationship with Jesus that you've never heard before and that it sounds like you can have a close relationship with God, I want you to know that's true. I want you to know that that's what happened to me. So I came into a, a deep and, and close relationship with Jesus. And it was just simply by praying a simple prayer. But I prayed it openly and I prayed it from my heart. 
The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, it says you'll be saved. And I believe Jess was talking about that, or, or Rach was talking about we're saved, but we're continuing to be saved. It puts us in line to receive all that God has for us. And I want to encourage you this morning, if you've never prayed that before, I'd love to pray that with you down the front. But if you're here this morning and you know that you've got pressure on your life, you've got things that just make you tense all the time and, and that you're not free and that you, you know you should be, I'd like you to come down to the altar this morning as well and get free today because Jesus wants to do that. He wants to break off some burdens today. You know, There's a burden-removing, yoke-destroying anointing that he has available here this morning. And in fact, he has available all the time for us if we'll just press in for it. But he has that here today. And I'll tell you how it will feel when you get it and when you receive it. I'll tell you exactly how it will feel. It'll feel you don't care anymore. <laughs> Who would like that? Amen. You just don't care. You know, you do care, but you just, you just feel so free as if God's got it all under control and that you can rest. You know, God wants to do a work of rest in your life. Amen. Break off anxiety, fears, and the things that you worry about. God wants to break those things off your life. And he wants to you to then lean into him and stay there. Amen. Praise the Lord. Why don't we sing this song?